0: This communication was prepared for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment advice. All opinions or views reflect the judgment of the authors as of the broadcast date and are subject to change without notice. Julius Wealth Advisors, LLC, is a registered investment advisor. Our disclosure brochure, available at advisorinfo.sec.gov or through contacting us, provides further detail about our business, services, and fees.
1: Julius Wealth Advisors. All right, welcome to the episode five of the Big Boat Show. On episode five, I have a special guest for you and Shane Morrow. Shane Morrow is a founder and management partner at Ironbridge Wealth Council, where he leads a strategic direction as as well as the investment management division. Uh, More importantly, though, Shane, I've known Shane for almost my entire life, and we really started to become close my sophomore year in high school when I transferred to St. Thomas Aquinas, when he and his dad took me under their proverbial wing and really trained me uh, hard to be successful in football. Uh, People know a little about the history of St. Thomas Aquinas. They are a powerful uh, football program located in South Florida. And Shane and I played offensive line together, and in this training, and I would say coaching by uh, mainly his father, which we'll probably get into it, into this into this uh, episode, uh, we were able to go on to win the state championship, and both of us were able to get scholarships to play football in college. So this show is going to be about the concept of coaching and why the concept of coaching is important and how this gets integrated into our personal and business life. So with that said, welcome to the show, Shane. Thanks for having me, Jason. Appreciate it. No problem. No problem. So just give me, I know I gave a little bit of an introduction of you, but can you just give me, uh, in your words, a brief introduction of yourself and your background?
2: Sure. I'll give you the, uh, the 30,000 foot view. So I, I moved around a little bit as a kid from Jersey to Ohio to the Bahamas to South Florida. I went to high school, as you mentioned, in South Florida at St. Thomas. Uh, we connected there. Um, I went to Amherst College and played football in uh, at Amherst, and obviously you went to Lehigh. Um, and then after college, I moved back down to South Florida and started in the investment management uh, consulting world. Spent about ten years at a boutique consulting firm. Um, worked with a lot of private wealth and institutional clients. Did a stint in New York City for two years on the uh, corporate side, on the investment management world, and uh, paid my time in New York City uh, with my wife and I, and enjoyed it, and uh, decided to move, take our household, and we moved to Austin, Texas. Um, spent about a little over a year or so on the institutional investment management side, and then decided I was going to take an entrepreneurial leap, and I was fortunate enough. My wife was very supportive, and as a CFA, she she helped carry the household in that first uh, First venture, but uh, started a private wealth firm about seven years ago uh, with form, a couple of former partners, and haven't looked back since.
1: Awesome, awesome. The part you didn't mention about the about your time in New York City is that I think you were living at the time in a one bedroom apartment <laughs> with two massive dogs. Well, so uh, so you um, left that out of there.
2: Yeah, well, the pug. <laughs> she was she's a massive for a pug, but she she was at least a pug. She had a massive ego and attitude though. So it was, nice. Uh, nice. We, we enjoy having a yard here in Austin, Texas, for sure, when it's rainy and not having go down 20 flights of stairs in an elevator that's sometimes broke.
1: Uh, fantastic. So uh, with it all said, I just uh, I guess, you know, you've played sports your whole life. Uh, we talked about it a little bit, um, I guess. Can you just name a few influential coaches that you've had in your life and why?
2: Yeah, no, it's, um, it's funny. I, I was thinking about this a little bit earlier and I, I look at it as two, let's say pivotal periods is probably my first coach in Ohio. I started playing football when I was seven years old in, uh, same football league as, as Chris Carter, where he grew up and things like that. So it was for, for, you know, literally your or wee football is pretty competitive. And my first coach, um, his, uh, his son actually went in to play college football and I don't know if he got drafted, but he was pretty intense. Um, and, uh, and it was kind of that formative period of time where we were we won the championship and he was much more um, held us accountable and let's say more disciplined than most of the other coaches. So at, at an early age, at seven and eight years old, we, we, I learned kind of uh, how to be disciplined, I guess, in, in terms of sports. Um, and then I, I would fast forward. The, the second one would be in high school where you know, both you and I had the pleasure of working uh, or playing under George Smith, who's kind of a Hall of Fame high school football coach in South Florida now who's since retired um, and then also had the same offensive line coach, Jay Conley. You know, very different personalities, but I think George really emphasized and um, instilled over you know his tenure there, forty plus years, multiple state championships. That no one is bigger than the team, and um, culture really does matter in terms of routine, in terms of belief systems, and uh, and, and really integrating people um, from various different backgrounds to. I you know, being uh, one of the few Jewish kids at a, at a uh, Catholic school, I don't know if, uh, you know, in various different backgrounds, we all one team. And, you know, regardless of where you came from, we're all brothers on the football field. And I think Jay um, Conley, you know, he was tough. Uh, but at the end of the day, he we knew he loved us. And I think that came across pretty, pretty consistently. I'm not sure you're feeling from it, but I you know Jay was a great coach. You know, technically he I think he was good, but at the end of the day, you know he cared about you. And I think, I think that's a key that you got to be tough and disciplined and hold people accountable. But ultimately know they got to know that you care about them.
1: Yeah, I I a thousand percent agree. I think um I think that you know my biggest takeaways from those uh very formative years and uh, successful years. I know for me, I was I was you know obviously uh, uh, a little intimidated doing to play for a school like St. Thomas Aquinas. Also, as you mentioned, uh, I was a Jewish kid, still am, obviously, uh, playing for a Catholic school. so that was intimidating as well. And I do remember uh, Coach Smith very fondly telling me that you know, not to worry about that whatsoever. Um, He was also very open with me about during Jewish holidays, if I didn't want to practice or didn't play, I I didn't have to. And I thought that was that was great uh, that he understood that being even though he's a head coach at a Catholic high school. Uh, So that, again, shows you what you said is uh, that no one's bigger than the team. um, The team will always have your back no matter what you choose to do. Um, And then uh, bleeding into Coach Conley, Coach Conley, um, I sometimes I still think I have uh, I wake up in the middle of the night uh, with nightmares of him uh, yelling at me uh, (laughs) (laughs) during practices and and all that. But uh, I think you said like it was a tough love, right? Because I always remember no matter what, uh, when we won or we scored a touchdown, he was the first person to uh, give you a massive uh, bear hug right uh, at, at the end of the, at the end of the practice. So uh, they always instilled what you mentioned. I wrote down two words, accountability and discipline, which I know you have, and I know um, that those were the two biggest things that I took away from my playing days uh, at, at St. Thomas Aquinas. Uh, which which is you know led I think both of us to to uh, some success in our in our personal lives so with that said I guess I would ask you uh, areas of your personal and business life uh, that you see where some people make some common mistakes uh, that sports or coaching has 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 influenced you in
2: yeah it's um You know, I think one of the big areas, well, one of the, there's multiple, but I think one of the big areas is, you know, at the end of the day, in a team sport, you got to play a role. And, you know, it's not that the quarterback can't be, you know, a good wide receiver, but at the end of the day, you got to really specialize. And, you know, especially on a football team, you all got to be working together and 11 people on each side that'll be doing their role. And, um, and I think one of the things that you learn that I learned there is there's a lot of weaknesses that we all have. Um, and there's some strengths. And I believe that you got to focus on your strengths and partner with people that complement you. Now, I think sometimes people say, hey, identify your weaknesses, work on those, improve them. And that's true within your domain. But at the end of the day, as much as I tried to be the best receiver, I was never running a 4-4, right, at the end of the day. So I could train and do everything and work on that weakness. But my goal was to be the best, you know, offensive guard that I could. So I think in, in life and, in, and especially in business, I've been fortunate enough to partner with really good people that complement my weakness and it allows me to really put gasoline on the areas that I do really well and focus on there. So I think you a know, lesson learned was um, don't try to be all things to all people, really focus and identify what you're good at, um, be self-aware, be humble enough to identify what you're not good at. And, uh, and, you know, have the uh, gratitude to put good people around you to make sure that collectively you're better than any one individual. Um, wise
1: words, wise words. Um, so that kind of goes into your, your responsibility as you see yourself as, as a teammate. W- what, is, what do you see yourself, uh, you know, now leading your own firm, uh, but you're also, like you said, your teammate, right? No one's, sure. no one's bigger than the team, even though you are, you know, leading the firm. the at the end of the day, you're just a teammate. So what do you see as your biggest responsibility in that area?
2: Yeah, it's, um, and it's something I think every, especially when you when you start at any business owner, um, you know, struggles with, uh, especially successful people, you know, historically, that you want to do all things. Um, My, my sole job is to drive the success of the firm. and, And what that means is, it's a commitment to three different things, right? It's a commitment to our clients to make sure that from a from a client experience standpoint, it's best in breed in our, you know, in our domain and within our client profiles that we work with. It's a commitment to make sure from an employee standpoint that they're getting a career track and they're, they have a, um, a path to success as they individually design um, define it professionally. And it's a commitment to our community to make sure that we're influencing them in a positive way and giving back, um, whether it's time, whether it's finances or whether it's resources. So I look at my job as driving the, the mission of IronBridge, um, which is to tangibly improve our clients, our employees, and our communities' lives. Um, what I admit that I am not good at is I'm, I'm pretty good at strategy and vision and, um, and uh, kind of driving the firm forward from a business standpoint. Where I lack is in, in short-term execution. And so I was fortunate to have worked with some good people over the years that have, you know, come back together and working with IronBridge that I can lay out the five-year business plan or say, this is strategically where we want to go. And they do a great job of kind of taking it from there and saying, here's the action steps. Here's the accountability that needs to take place today, next week, next month to make sure that vision um, gets executed. So my weakness is, is detail orientation um, and short-term execution. So I fully, fully admit that. And um, I need to task master, I admit that. So I need someone staying on top of me, and and I think as you can attest, to, maybe that's because that's how I grew up with uh, with having that taskmaster and just being told kind of what to do and where to go. But uh, I look at my, you know, my quote unquote superpower, if you want to be cliche, is, is kind of strategy and kind of identifying blue ocean strategies where um, the competition isn't playing, where we can add strategic value and uh, and differentiate ourselves in the marketplace.
1: That's great. Yeah. I mean, you, you said a few different things there that that I that I agree with. And I, I've seen that uh, take place in the business world a lot of times um, where people try to be what's called, like, I'd say, like you're the you know, jack of all trade, master of none. Right. Where um, you have to really understand what your strengths are and try to hone your weaknesses, but also realize that sometimes there's a better person or a better place where you can outsource those weaknesses. Because, you know, if you try to spend so much time strengthening your weaknesses, um, your strengths could become dull. And then plus, you know, as they say, time is money, right? Like if you're spending so much time trying to strengthen your weaknesses versus just outsourcing or finding someone that can can complement your weaknesses that's probably the best use of, of everyone's time. Right. I even know for my, go ahead.
2: I was just going to say it's economics 101, right? I mean, think back to economics class, it's competitive advantages. You know, you can, you can make, you know, make uh, widgets and, uh, and and dresses better than the next country. But if you have a competitive advantage in one, it makes sense to trade. Um, And I think from a business standpoint, like you said, it's uh, egos get in the way. Um, and it's also a lot of times I find it fear, um, in the sense that, and I think you, I, I don't know if you you see this, but, um, as you progress professionally, um, and also, um, let's say within sports competitively, you get a higher, higher level. You realize you got to specialize more and more and, you know, um, LeBron James would be a great tight end, I'm sure in the NFL, but he's a lot better as a, you know, as a guard in the, uh, in or forward in the NBA, um. And uh, I think we learn that through sports. I'm not sure if you saw that, but guys in the locker room, um, they're not trying to be all things to all people. Um, but in the professional world, and especially in our, you know, in our space, in the advisory world, it's, um, I guess it gets old to hear that I can work with anyone and I can, you know, do all these different things. And, and if we're all honest with ourselves, we got to really hone in on who we work best with, who our target client profile is. And who we can impact the most, because it 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 can't be working with anyone.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um, I mean, obviously, we came from similar backgrounds, so we'll probably agree on a lot here. Uh, but I agree, man, I I I say that a lot to people. I I, I kind of joke around a little bit, but you know, uh, you'll probably say I didn't, but I thought I had a great arm, right? You know, growing up, I I, I thought I had a great arm in, in baseball and in football, and hey, I probably would have made a great quarterback but I was probably too big to be quarterback and that's not necessarily where my team needed me. Um, So what do I do, you, you're, you know, you're not bigger than the team. You play, I played offensive line. Right. right? Because that's where the team needed me. When I, when I came to St. Thomas Aquinas, that's what, what the team needed me to be. Right. So I developed into an offensive line, uh, offensive line men, Um, because you know, that doesn't matter what Jason wants to do. He could be a quarterback. I, maybe I, I wanted to play defensive tackle, I idolized uh, Warren Sapp back back then. Uh, but that's not what the team needed me to be. And yeah, I, I agree with you um, that um, that that's something that I think when, you know, when I've talked to younger people, like I was just on a uh, I started volunteering and talking to, to Lehigh football players and um, and the one thing I always notice, you know, being in the business world is that you, I can easily identify people that grew up playing team sports, mm. right? <laughs> you can, you can easily see the people that grew up playing team sports and people that either didn't play sports or played an individual sport, like say tennis or something. I was like just going to
2: ask you that question. Cause I, I find the same thing, you know um, I, what have you seen as, as the difference, I guess on the, on the surface and a deeper level of someone that say is a tennis player or swimmer or um, that's just going against a clock versus you know sitting in the huddle and, and knowing that success is based on all 11 or you know five people in basketball whatever it may be
1: yeah i mean i i you know not not to rag on tennis players or, or swimmers but you know it's it's the, a lot of the times it's it's them versus them right so um it it when you play a sport like like football and especially, especially offensive line, where I always tell people offensive line is the ultimate team sport within the ultimate team sport, right? Um, you and your dad didn't really have to take me under, my, under your wing to help me out, but you knew that if I was better, you were better, right? right. Um, so a lot of times what I see to answer your question directly is that uh, it's really that the difference is the collaboration and the teamwork, right? Mm-hmm. Knowing that it doesn't matter how great I am, it matters how great we are. Right. Right. And that's also the way um, the way that I think about for business when you work with clients. Right. It doesn't matter how great I am or how great you are where we need to work together to get all of us to the place that we need to get to. So I guess that's a good segue into my next question for you, which are what are the characteristics Uh, that you've seen from, from sports and from coaching that uh, make clients successful uh, in in your practice?
2: Yeah. um, It's a tough one, right? Because someone smarter than me said success is going to be based on not who you work with, but who you don't work with. And, and I think, um, you know, over time that becomes more ingrained in my mindset. And, and I, I know, um, the key things and and maybe some of the the issues that I've seen too historically of of folks, one is just pure coachability, right? I mean, that means that someone that comes to a meeting um, and knows that they're at a certain level and they want to take it to the next level. And they also know that they don't have the time, resources, energy, knowledge to get there. And they're willing to listen. Um, You know, I think that's that's the first challenge because we always come across, I mean, anyone that's listening to this you don't have to be in finance. You've come across someone that thinks they know everything. Um, we see it all the time in finance. Obviously, when it comes to investments, everyone thinks they they're Warren Buffett or you know they're Jack Bogle or fill in the blank, and
1: and they got all or them problems. or themselves. Yeah, or <laughs> yeah, Johnny. A lot of times they don't think they're someone else. Bread. They think they're so great they're they're themselves. <laughs> yeah,
2: they're, yeah, they don't somehow keep track of uh of their their stock picks, but um. Anyways, um, so I think coachability is one, just kind of being humble enough to know that um, you need a team around you to make you better. Um, um, I think someone that wants a consultative approach, meaning that someone that wants to learn, right? Someone that says, just give me the answer. I don't really care why, they don't internalize it. Um, it's tough because there's they're not learning, they're not getting better. They're not intellectually knowing the philosophy of making money or building your net worth and things like that. So I think someone that's willing to have a consultative um, relationship and actually, at, actually ask really good questions because they want to know more. Not that they want to do what your job is, but they want to know why. I think that's a key key thing too. Um, someone that is accountable to themselves. You know, we can build the best financial plan or give them the best investment position, but if they're not willing to follow it you know, it's, it's worthless. Um, so, so I, I think someone that's accountable to actually making change, um, you know, is a third thing. And I think if you have those three things, you know, the coachability, um, the willingness to learn or the interest to learn and holding yourself accountable, you're 90% there. Um, and you know, you don't, you know, intelligence is great. Um, cause I think it adds, it just takes it to the next level, but you don't get, you don't have to be, you know, Albert Einstein, to, to, be a good client or frankly, to have a successful financial situation.
1: Yeah. Very true. Very true. Yeah. I mean, you, I, I, would you
2: add anything or to that or, or disagree? I would
1: just, I would just sort of round it out. I mean, I wrote down a few different things as you were talking. I think one of the things you, you said were, uh, people asking the question why, right. And wanting knowledge. And that's why, uh, Uh, for me, when I founded my firm, I had three core values is integrity, knowledge and passion, right? And I think knowledge and I put them all in that specific order on purpose, right? You have to have integrity. If you don't have integrity, then you can't have a relationship, right? Um, Then knowledge, knowledge comes second because that's, if you're not trying to understand the why behind the what, which is what I, I always try to tell people, don't understand what, understand the why understand the why that's a deeper level of understanding and and i've always said to people the reason why i think a lot of people um get scared or terrified or whatever of of finance and why uh there's these two statistics that always stick out in my mind of that uh 40 of americans can't afford a one-time expense and that the real the, the the percentage of millionaires on real terms in this country hasn't increased in 25 years I think a reason why is that people lack the knowledge. So for example, I was on a call with a client, new client yesterday um, and she was like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm asking so many questions. I, I'm, I'm annoying you. And I'm like, you're not annoying me. Like the more you understand why the better you're going to, to sort of buy into this process together and the more success we're all going to have. So ask as many questions as you want. Um, and then the, the final part that I'll say to you that, that you said about and you talked about the concept being 90% there, um, the one thing I always I always uh, hone in on, uh, you know, because I, I tell people I do, you know, financial planning, investment management and behavioral coaching. And that's also sort of what this podcast is about is the coaching piece and the coaching piece comes in. I tell people you can have the best plan, but if your investments stink, it doesn't matter. You can have the best investments, but you don't understand what you're investing for. Well, it doesn't matter. If you under, if you have the best plan and the best investments, but your behavior is terrible and you can't be coached, that's going to derail both of them. Right? So I think on uh, the behavioral side and the, the ability to, to be coached and, and have that knowledge I think is is paramount for for long term success, and you know I can personally attest to it, right? I'm and, and you'll you'll probably agree here. I'm I'm definitely not Einstein, uh, but I but I've studied these concepts, right? And I was able to to build some wealth for myself, you know, essentially coming from from not very much. Um, so uh, that's so those are some concepts that that are important that I would definitely agree with you, and more more really round out uh, what you said. Um on a different note and uh, delving into a little bit of your of your of your personal life uh, I was very happy to to hear a little over a year ago and now uh, four months ago you had your your first child uh, a boy six months now you just oh, six, six months, months I'm yesterday. sorry six Oops. months my bad yeah
2: can't tell if it's been six weeks or six years. It feels like it's been a blur.
1: Exactly. Exactly. It hasn't been a blur for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, my kids are a little bit older than, than Shane. So I was able to give him a little bit of coaching yesterday yeah. when, we were, when we were talking. <laughs> um, yeah. on, on this concept, uh, not not much. You know, as, as many people have kids can attest, it's, uh, it's young kids. It's everyone's unique in that sense. Um, but with that said, having your first child and and, and a, a boy, uh, what are some of the things you will teach uh, your son that, that you were not taught?
2: Um, what was I not taught? Um, so I was taught, I think I was very fortunate to have very supportive parents that pushed me. Um, what I was not taught, um, is, uh, is probably to kind of identify things you're grateful for, you know, just to be more, um, thoughtful and, uh, Explicit or, or purposeful with kind of acknowledging things you're appreciative of, things you're stressed out by, and not internalizing as much. I, I think that's a key thing um, for any person, you know, to identify. Here's what I want to, you know, whether it's journaling or you know meditation or whatever. However it comes, to be really self aware of insecurities, of you know goals, of areas that you may feel like you're being grief, whatever it may be. And I think that's true for clients too, you know, in the sense that. Um you gotta know where you're going before you can kind of build a plan and until you're honest with yourself and, and self-aware of that. Um, I think it's hard because as I say, you know, um, and, um yeah, so I would just say being being intentional with what your concerns, what you're grateful for, what your fears are, and being and having that as an open dialogue. Um, and then, you know, a couple other things I think is um well, I did, you know, it's not that my parents didn't teach me this, but I think um, being aware that everyone is going through a struggle and life is struggle, that's part of the deal. That is not like an exception. It's not a bug, it's a feature. And the toughest things when you look back are things you're more most appreciative of. Um, I think I, my parents, you know, pushed me to do that and I learned it retroactively, but I think being more communicative of, you know, of embracing the suck or however you want to term, you know, say it is, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, that is part of the deal. And that's how you really um, excel in life, I think, is by doing the things that other people don't wanna do. And also not just, you know, bitching about it, embracing that part of it. Cause you know, when you look back that, uh, to steal um, a very cliche or not cliche, but um, a thing that I've embraced from Jocko Wilcox is that, uh, you know, discipline equals freedom. You know, the more you're disciplined, the more you do the hard things, the easier life is when you look back on it.
1: Yep. Yeah, so um, for me, uh, on the things that you that you just mentioned, uh, I think w- what I can relate to are, are three things that you just said, uh, know where you are going, right? <laughs> and this is one of the things that uh, I think that you know about me. And also uh, I try to hone into clients and process really just society as a whole know where you're going what that means is having a longer term mindset right know where you're going so for me as you know where where was where I going I you know ever since I was 10 years old um and understanding finance and personal finance and in my background uh with the influential piece of my grandfather and things that uh that happened with with me as a, as a child and not having as much um uh, struggling from a family side with finances where I was going, I always wanted to start my own business. I always wanted to do this. And one of those steps to get there was getting a full scholarship to, to college. And one of the ways I had to get there was to play football for St. Thomas Aquinas, even though I was a Jewish kid playing at a Catholic high school, which was extremely, you know, intimidating, though I was six to 275 pounds. Um, but have a where, know where you're going I knew where I wanted to go right and one of those stepping stones was I had to play football at St. Thomas Aquinas it's not like I had to like it was a bad thing it was a great thing it was a great great uh great way to get me to where I was going um and oh. go ahead no sorry Finish. no and part of that is is what you stated about you know being comfortable being uncomfortable I I think you know I I think for me that was a big part of of my life there's there was always situations that I had to go into being uncomfortable, like like playing football at St. Thomas Aquinas, and only was it a great school. But again, being a Jewish kid, it was a very it was very uncomfortable. But I had to be comfortable being uncomfortable, uh, and that's really the only time you see progress for, from from my vantage point. You see progress when you jump into a situation where um, you are uncomfortable and you experience you experience personal growth and team growth. Right. So don't ever, you know, I always hone into people and and especially we talked about kids. Right. That's what I try to hone into my into my into my own children is that um, don't really worry about what other people think of you. Right. Um, Do what you feel is right. And and maybe it might feel uncomfortable, but that's when you're going to experience the most growth in life. And the final piece that you mentioned, we talked about it earlier, also about discipline. I actually didn't even know that was a, a, a saying by Jocko, but discipline equals freedom. I, I I have this thing, maybe it's cheesy, uh, but I have it on the end of my signature card and I've kind of made up this this own equation for how people get financial freedom because everyone thinks it's tough. Like you said, oh, Einstein, you know you have to be Einstein to have um, success in finance and investing. And to me, it only really takes two things. It takes time. Right. So start when you're young and it takes discipline squared, a whole bunch of discipline. Uh, So that kind of leads into what you said. Right. Discipline equals financial freedom. Um, And that's really, to me, what like the magic formula is, just have a bunch of time. A lot of people sometimes start too late. um, And but you no matter what, even if you have time, if you don't have a bunch of discipline, you're not going to really see probably see that success and that's where the concept to me of coaching and behavioral coaching comes into play and fortunately for you and for me we had that in our lives at such a at such a young at such a young age
2: well i think the point you brought up right is discipline is important you know your discipline squared formula and and it's tough i mean we only have so much willpower. so what i've you know and i think it kind of circles back to your original comment you know about going to the gym you know routinely and, and religiously um Discipline's tough you you almost have to build routines that are um that you don't even think about that you just go along with that that the outside world looks as discipline but for you as an individual that's just part of who you are as an individual whether it's going to the gym every day at a certain time because that's just what you do or going to you know and you're going to the synagogue or certain religious things that it's not that's just part of the routine that's part of what you do as an individual as part of your identity. And um, and I think that makes it so much easier and sustainable when you make that as part of your identity. And so like in terms of like the financial planning side or the, the investment side, it's not, you know, oh, I gotta say this is or this, or the more you automate, the more you make routine, the more you identify who you are as an individual and your why, the, the action steps don't seem as much as like, um, hey, go make your bed discipline. It makes it seem like, This is just who I am. It's like a, if I'm a vegetarian, I'm not going as good as the hamburgers may look. I'm not eating that. And I'm, I'm I'm not a vegetarian, but I was (laughs) right. It wouldn't be tempting. Um, it's the same thing. I think when you talk about working out or, you know, for us, it's, if you wanted to be successful, you want to go to play college football, you want to do this, like going to the gym. It's just what you do. Right. I mean, it's just part of the, the routine. And it took me a while to learn that. Frankly, it took my dad kind of just getting home after work and saying, let's go. And I didn't have a choice whether I felt good or bad. That's just what you did. Um, you know, and, and, you know, looking back, it, it created that muscle memory that you just get up and go. Regardless, if you feel like crap, yeah, that's just part of the deal, you go. Um, and that's how you, it's the consistency with that that's tough, but you have to build those as kind of almost part of your DNA as who you are. But the first thing is you have to identify who you want to be or who you are. And, you know, the, the Simon Sinek book, Start With Why, um, it took me a while to kind of come to terms, especially from a business standpoint, with my why professionally. Um, I grew up in a, you know, in a law enforcement household that I'm, I'm used to why I grew up watching my father, you know, undercover videos buying cocaine from drug dealers uh, as, a, as a, when he was in the DEA. And, and that's what I knew. So going to finance, it was um, relatively unexciting, Um and it took me a while struggling for kind of what my why is in the industry. And, um, and, and I read that book and I you know, really was trying to be um, purposeful with identifying that for myself as kind of a introspection because I was at a turning point career wise. And I kind of came to a point and I wrote in the book, my why at, towards the end, I realized is, is to protect people. And that's kind of what I grew up seeing with my father. Um, and in our profession, that's what we do too. You know, people say, oh, you, you add alpha, you do this, but what we really do is protect people, right? We protect people from themselves, we protect their futures, we protect them from other, you know, bad players in the industry. And, and once I identified that was my why, um, from a business standpoint, that's kind of what what permeated all those other decisions that that, that kind of are on the surface business or strategy and things like that. But at the end of the day, our goal is, is to protect people. And, and I think when you, when you have that why, when you build in those um, those rituals, there's those customs that just become second nature. Um, that 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 makes discipline so much easier. And when looking back, you can say, "Oh, it's discipline disciplined by doing this, this, and this." But it's because you ingrained it as part of your DNA, as part of your culture, as part of your identity, and uh, and that's the only way you can do something consistently for forty plus whatever maybe
1: years. Yep. Now, maybe you didn't think about when we when we both played offensive line. Our jobs were protecting people as well. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> well, so uh, usually pretty
2: well, sometimes not as well, but
1: yeah. <laughs> I only gave up one sack in my entire career, but it was it was a bad sack, as yeah. I'm sure you, you remember. I
2: remember that. It's all right. <laughs> we states the next year, so it worked out
1: fine. Yeah, so I, mean, I I agree. Like you gotta that's very powerful when you said if you identify why you know or who you are the person then it's not and it just becomes routine right like so you know for me i kind of was the opposite you know as we talked about earlier in the show i my i knew my why i knew my why since i was probably 10 years old mm-hmm. right so it wasn't very hard to find my why and once i knew my why um like i said earlier like i basically have taken every single step in my life to try to fulfill my why um, and, uh, and so for me, it wasn't, you know, it, it, it wasn't, you know, you know people think discipline is hard, so it wasn't that, that hard, right? The analogy that I gave to you when we were talking about this yesterday was going to the gym. Like part of my why for my life was to do, to do this, to, to start my own business, to try to help people out, uh, with their, with their personal finances. But now I don't. So I went to the gym all the time when you're when your dad used to come over to my house at, you know, Sunday mornings and, uh, and or eight o'clock at night to pick me up to go to the gym. It wasn't hard for me. Right. I wanted I wanted to go. Um, but now it is hard for me to go to the gym, <laughs> um, mainly because like I don't you know, I, I don't have that that coach right now and that 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 motivator um, to to get me there. And that's why hiring a coach. Um, or when you talk about the gym, um, a, a personal trainer. It, it's I don't I, I've done it before, and I was actually talking to one of my good friends uh, the there night. We went to watch the Heat game together. He did the same thing, and I was like, "Well, you know, you know how to work out. I know how to work out, but a lot of times, you you still need that person to to motivate you and push you. And and that's also what you know in 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 what we do. I always talk about the powerful concept of behavioral coaching because people need in my opinion, that, that motivator to get them to fulfill their why. Yeah.
2: So like positive peer pressure, I think is a very good thing, right? You know, if if we're working out together and I see you trying to outwork me and and it makes me work harder, that's a positive feedback loop that makes us both better. And, And in terms of your, your analogy with the coaches, that's what they do. Personal trainer, financial advisor, A good financial advisor is going to make you a better version of yourself from your personal finance side. It's not that they're going to give you some magic formula, um, you know, that's that's going to revolutionize your life, but they're going to hold you accountable. And there's only so much willpower that we all have, to your point. Um, And I'm sure part of the reason why it's harder to go to the gym, because you got other priorities, right? Your 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 key priorities are your kids, your profession. Um, and there's only so much you can, you can, um, have positive willpower and that's why you need people around you, you know, to help pick you up, to help push you to help hold you accountable when
1: they're have your best interest in mind. Amen. Um, so, uh, we, I talked about the three core values that I have integrity, knowledge, and the final one is, is passion. Uh, and I'm a big believer that uh, in life, you got to do what you're passionate about. Uh, if you don't do what you're passionate about, then you're going to kind of be just going through the motions, and you're going to wake up one day and, and, and realize you've kind of lived an unfulfilled life. Um, so I know we've talked about a lot so far on the show, but to, to wrap it up and, and ask you the final question What's your biggest passion in life and why? Oof.
2: Well, it's a, you know, I have on my wall, um, one of my walls. Um, you know, the Henry David Thoreau quote, most men live lives with quiet desperation, right? Um, to your point about you kind of have that passion, otherwise you're living someone else's life. Um, and that's not very fulfilling. Um, you know, my passion, if I would, you know, say, what do I like? Really get juiced up, it's about building. Now, I like building the business. I like building relationships, I like building, you know, um. Um, you know, building other people up. Um, but I, I like the creation process. Um, so for me, it, it's, I get inspiration from kind of the entrepreneurial drive. Um, and, uh, and you know, ultimately, maybe it's been that team thing. I love to see people around me succeed. Like I, my goal and one of my mentors was this guy named Buzzy Tabatnik, He was my first first manager, so shout out to Buzzy, and it took me a while to connect with him, because we were very different personalities, you know, a, a, a municipal bond salesman from Jersey, Jewish municipal bond salesman from Jersey, and I remember starting out right out of college, and, and, uh, and he would say stuff, and I'm like, I don't I don't really understand that, and and over years, it, I internalized more and more of it, and really came to appreciate it, and I still talk to him, you know, probably once a month now about business things and running things through him, by him but you know he said something which i i very much agree with but he said it better he's like at the na from a business standpoint your goal should be to make all your partners really successful and if you do that you're going to be just fine and i look at that as similar in terms of my goal is to build and build the infrastructure and build the firm and uh and and create things for people to help them be successful because that's my strength and if they're successful that, that's my passion right that's what i enjoy seeing you know if you you did a great job and you you know, blocked this, you know, this blitzer picking up and you threw a touchdown. That's the kind of exciting part. I don't need to score the touchdowns. Um, I just like building the path to success for certain, for people around me that I truly care about.
1: That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing that I take away from what you said is seeing other people around you succeed. And that goes back to, you know, our playing days uh, uh, and playing football on office line. And I give this analogy, um, or the story to people all the time when I was in college, I had, I, was, I played guard when I got to college and, I, and the tackle next to me, um, it, we'd have a play and I would, you know, drive my guy down the line 10 yards and pancake them. Sure, uh, for you know. those of you who don't know what that word means, you know, look it up. Um, and, but the play would go negative five yards. Next play, same thing. I'm like, okay, this doesn't make sense. Like if I'm driving my guy 10 yards in the field, we're losing five yards, what's going on? So the next play, I, I held the guy, I, I, I held the defensive lineman at the line, didn't really move him. And I noticed that my tackle, my left tackle was getting beaten on every single play. So that goes to show you the power of teamwork and the power of seeing other people succeed, that it didn't matter what I was doing. It mattered that I needed to take the time to coach up the tackle next to me because the play was going nowhere. Right. And if it doesn't and if and if uh, if I'm doing great, but other people aren't doing great, then uh, then we're not going to succeed as a team and we're not going to succeed uh, together. So the importance of seeing other people around you succeed.
2: I well, thought I that mean, was
1: very powerful. I mean, ultimately,
2: you know, it's almost it is. Can you ever be truly altruistic? So, you know, I, I think if I was being really honest with myself, it makes me feel good see other people feel good. So I don't know what the, you know, where the circular nature of all that is. But at the end of the day, I think if you just succeed alone, for me at least, and everyone's different, but for me, um, it's relatively unsatisfying, right? Because there's, you know, there's a quote that goes, uh, success without satisfaction is still failure. Um, So for me, seeing those people around me succeed makes me happy. And I, you know, whether that's selfish, I don't don't know. But that's
1: kind of what my quote, unquote, to your question, passion drivesman fantastic. yeah I, I I agree and I don't think you I don't think I'm going to set it better uh, better than you just did so uh, with that said Shane I will I just want to thank you for for coming on to to the show uh, I want to also thank you for our relationship it's probably almost spanning at least 30 years almost at this point uh, since I before before high school I did know you from playing baseball in uh, in the yeah. league um didn't know you that well because i was you know slightly better than you uh <laughs> but i appreciate your time appreciate the relationship and uh wish you nothing but the best and I uh, look forward to uh knowing you for another at least 30 30 plus years right uh, well i'll, I'll definitely be calling you on parenting advice for sure so. <laughs> appreciate, appreciate having it. you jason all right thank you awesome. all the best and uh, with that said this is going to wrap up our fifth episode of the big bow show And we'll remind everybody to always live a life of integrity, live a life of knowledge, gain as much knowledge as you can, and always live a life of your passions. All the best. See ya.
0: Growing up, Jason Blumstein had become accustomed to a life of financial struggle and frustration. His grandfather, Julius, took the time to teach him the difference financial literacy can make Since then, Jason has Julius to thank for pulling him out of the mud and pushing him to become empowered, educated, and independent. We want Julius Wealth Advisors to do the same for you. At Julius Wealth Advisors, we are committed to continuing the legacy of literacy and learning. Advising to us is much more than simply telling our clients what to do. It's teaching them how to do it. Our emphasis on client education is founded on the fact that we've seen its benefits firsthand. Our lives and our firm are built by the tools wise friends and family members have passed down to us, and our passion is to pass these tools unto you. Please call us at 201-289-9181 or email at info at juliuswealthadvisors.com to take your first step to be empowered to live your best financial life. Thank you for, for tuning into in the, the big boss show. show.